Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and all that's in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And in this episode, we have on the Empress of West Ham, you know, as coined by Van Neck Intern, Her Royal Highness. Burb, Chairman Burb Bernanke comes on the pod and she shares us her story of how she got into crypto, secrets to BD, uh, what it's like working at Ottersec, what they have going on at Ottersec, and generally what it's like being in the space. Uh, so this is a great one for, you know, people that like want to get into the, like think about, oh, like how do I get into crypto? Like what's actually crypto really about? Like beyond just like the numbers and trading this and that, like this episode is about the culture. And that's what I really about right. this. Yeah. And, you know, Kit, I know you don't, you're not really one for culture episodes, but I can tell you're vibing with this one. You weren't falling <laughs> no. asleep here. You're like, ah, oh, this is like something about this. No, no, I, I liked her. Like I, I said, um, it's like she, she has a sense of like confidence, but also like comfort to her presence. So I really thoroughly enjoyed the vibes. It was immaculate. This is one for the vibes. Yeah. And then she says like vibes are the most important thing. Like it's, if you have like a tree that falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. You could have like the best mm -hmm. tech, but you know, if there's no one, if there's no vibes there, are people going to really go to it? And that's like the thing that she really gets across. But um, also, but also, bro, she knows her shit. She knows okay. her shit. Yeah. That was critical for me too. Like once in, I- In a wider range. range. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In a wide range of areas, from TradFi to auditing to degening on chain to what's going on with mechanics and incentive design, she gets it. She she does, and so you know, I think everyone here listening is going to enjoy and take a lot from her insights. So, but before we get into it, make sure you go ahead, go down to our description below, go ahead and subscribe to FlywheelDefi.com. You want to do that right now? You thank yourself later. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. Make sure you follow us on all our socials at FlywheelDefi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. You can follow me on Twitter at DefiDave22. And you can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we're not going to forget about Farcaster at Flywheel on Farcaster at DefiDave on Farcaster. We like decentralized social media. But anyway, yes. you know what we're about to say. Let's get the flywheel spinning. Oh, it worked. <laughs> do you hold ETH, but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Flywheel. I am your host, DeFi Dave, joined once again by Kit, my co-host. Thanks for waking up this time. <laughs> and this time around, we are graced with the presence of royalty, the Empress of West Ham, and BD and growth at Ottersec. We have on Burb. We have on Bone Condor. Uh, we have on Chairman Burb Bernanke, <laughs> setting me. the policy straight and forward. Burb, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited I about this too. Uh, but 
before this is gonna be a good time and yeah. before we were ta- uh we were recording we were talking about is bd a real job and, and uh it's funny we had on seraphim a few weeks ago uh and he had like a very interesting take on it and like bd is very essential starting off with a protocol and then eventually if it gets big enough you kind of just need maintenance that's what kind of happened with lido uh i my take on it is it's the most underrated and overrated job in crypto because like if you have like one or two good bd guys it can make or break a protocol it can make the biggest difference uh but if you have like a bloated team of 10 people then you're just wasting money so burb what is your take on bd and crypto i think you know it's it's really interesting because I feel like Dave, you and I have talked about this before. Where oh yeah, we have. On one hand, you know, you have what everyone thinks of as the kind of fake job part, where it's going to parties and talking to people, and none of that sounds like work until you have to do it for work, and it very much so is different. You know, it's not like a regular I don't know party where you just get to go and hang out with people. You're you're there for a different reason, and I, it's it's an interesting role because it exists kind of in the space that I don't know that much else in crypto does of being the one whose job it is to just go out and talk to people and meet people and know what's going on. Like everybody else kind of has, I'm working on X specific thing. You know, I sit here and I write code all day or I get really deep in a mechanism design. But BD is kind of the social temperature check of like, hey, what's the actually- The social organ of crypto. Yeah, the social organ of crypto, yeah. if you will. Where if there, if there was no community, if there was no non-technical people, you know, this would be a very different scene. So we're needed, but at the same time, there's things that happen to me like- um, I have people put meetings on my calendar and I really hope my boss isn't listening. Um, I, I, people have put meetings on my calendar, not because they actually want to have a meeting, but because they trust me enough to be like, Hey, uh, I really need a nap in the middle of this day. I'm having, I'm going to pretend we're having a meeting and, and having that kind of trust and knowing that like people actually trust you with that on their calendar. Um, it's wow. an interesting spot to be in, you know, you're kind of the secret keeper and the knower of all of the things that happen. And you have to turn that into kind of, partnerships and how do I put this like a you have to further it and take what you meet and take everyone you meet and turn this into this like great big thing and that's how you end up with like crypto mm-hmm. communities so it's it's real but it's do also have, so fake do you have any stories on the front lines of doing BD at OtterSec oh in what sense um actually let's let's do you have just any general stories of being like part of being like a social organ, quote unquote, in crypto, whether it's like, you know, go making a connection that you didn't realize would, you know, turn into something in the future. Like, for example, you know, there's people that I've like met at conferences and later, like we ended up working together. So that's actually how West Ham started. Um, oh, let's it, get it into kind of, it. Yeah, let's get into it. I think this is the thing that everyone wants to hear about right now is what yeah. is West Ham? Yeah, what um, is West even, Ham? And is it vegan? We'll get to that last, we'll, but how, we'll did, how did West Ham start? Yeah. So West Ham actually started, it, it was just a group chat. It was just a group chat of people that had never been in another group chat in crypto because there's all these little like fragmented decentralized communities where if you have no idea like how to break into them, it's kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. So West Ham just started as like, hey, I've never been in a group chat. I want to be in a you know crypto DM and... It spiraled out of control from there. Um, did Lauren so start it or did you start Lauren it? Started it. Lauren, Lauren started, started it. Lauren started it. It's actually really funny. It existed a couple of months before me, but Lauren's added me and bet me that I wouldn't last a day in there. 
And I said, I promise I'll be running it by the end of the day. Um, and now and you're so the Empress of West are. Ham. <laughs> yeah, and now the Van Ecken turn calls me the Empress of West Ham. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's these things that, like, my philosophy for this year is all of the things, you know, you talk about as a joke, stop joking about them and just do them. Like, well, it would be so funny if we did X, Y, and Z. Well, it would be really funny if a group chat was investing and now we have, you know, so if we turned into a VC just because. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize how important the like social aspect and the networking is once you get in this group and then you're like, I know someone who would be great in here. And then it turns into this just kind of, I want to call it a frat house, but kind of a frat house wearing a suit. Um, and, mm -hmm. and that's really what West Ham is, is a loose connection of people that turned like a group chat into a lot more. Yeah. It's kind of like before, you know, let's say like 30, 40, 50 years ago, you had everybody like go, people were like signing up for country clubs or like exactly. you had these like, or like different, you know, elite clubs, quote unquote, where you get to join and then you get access to these deals and like your local community or like wherever, blah, blah, blah. But now in crypto, it's not country clubs. It's group chats. It's all about the it group is. chats. And if you're in the right group chats, like right group chat can change your life. A group, yeah, can change <laughs> your life. And there's all kinds of group chats. They're, yeah, like we're we're in a few group chats. We're in a couple of group <laughs> chats together, and I'm happy we are. Yeah, um, I know. We never would have met, but you know. We're, yeah, I know exactly. There, uh, there's all kinds out there, and I really think a big part of crypto is like finding your tribe. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many different things that you can do in crypto there's consumer stuff there's DeFi, there's infrastructure there's trading and i think that's the, my favorite thing about crypto is that there's something for everyone mm -hmm. um it doesn't matter how weird or out there or anything you are someone's doing it more <laughs> yeah and um you know finding those people and getting together with them i think you can make something really powerful out of and that's what i think crypto has been phenomenal at you know there's all this community building and community management everyone talks about and that is vital to I think the growth of the space. You know, you know why I'm in crypto. Like sometimes, why are you in crypto? Why I'm in crypto? People are like, "Oh, like I'm in it for the tech. <laughs> oh, I'm in it for the money." You know why I'm in it, Burb and Kit? Why? I'm in it for the people. I'm in it for the people. I just like love meeting new people, making connections, yeah, learning about like cool shit, hearing what people are building and cooking, and how I can help them. Like that's why I'm here. That's what like gets me excited and like waking up every morning, whether it's like things are at an all time high or like dumping fifty percent in a day, like. <laughs> and so that's yeah. Kit, yeah. why are you here? <laughs> Kit, what's I on am, your mind? Why am I here? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> I feel like for for me. Crypto kind of tickles uh, two funny parts in my brain. One is like this super high finance, high tech uh, nerd side of me. Mm -hmm. And then it, the, the second bit is the crypto culture that touches, you know, the, the, the anime, the, the fun in things. It, it really makes me feel like there's this magic happens at intersections. And I think this is the intersection for me. Because like like they said, you know, at the beginning of the pod, we talked about um, sometime on our podcast, we go super duper technical and high finance. Like that's where like my place is to shine. And then sometime we go through the vibe zone only. And that's where <laughs> Dave shines. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's, that's kind of the flow that we have here in the podcast. Dave is impeccable at vibes. Oh, thank you. Immaculate. You're welcome. <laughs> Immaculate. I try and I don't try. <laughs> <laughs> you make it look easy and i'm finding out doing event planning doing hosting like there's a lot of bd that's very 
I don't know, amorphous. Like it could be whatever you want it to be. And the event planning and marketing and hype building and the, the vibes building part is the vibes building really fun, but really hard. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate how hard it is. It's like being a DJ, but with people. It's like oh, you're kind of yeah. like setting I'm the steal that. <laughs> yeah, because like what DJs do is like, you know, they're, they're trying to like get all these different like sounds and everything to like molt like all these different melodies and harmonies and whatnot together to make it all seem like one song and one mix. And that's what you're kind of doing when you're setting up a party or setting up an event. Uh, and you're having a West Ham event uh, at East Denver. Uh, can you go into that a bit? And like, are you doing anything else for East Denver? Like, what's your East? De- this is actually filming. Uh, we're gonna release that. Release this like right when East Denver starts, like around that time. So, like, what is your East Denver plans? And like, what are you? What are your like goals and expectations going to East Denver? You know, it's funny you say that. What are my plans? And I bet Dave, my calendar looks a lot like yours, where it's just full of things to the point where you're like, I I don't know how I'm gonna do all of this. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of things going at Denver. Um, Ottersuck is actually hosting a couple of events, so you should mm-hmm. come out to all of those. We've got uh, one is on, you know what? I'm going to pull up my calendar so I don't misquote this. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, Wait a second. Yeah, so I don't want to so say be- the wrong thing. Um, but as far as the West Ham party goes, that is on Saturday. And what I'm looking forward to that is, I think it's the first time a lot of these people are going to be in the room together. Um, uh. That doesn't happen a lot, I think. Like, there's definitely been times where, you know, parts of the group chat have gotten together or so-and-so gets together with X, Y, and Z. But uh, this you got is kind your, of... Your camera. Yeah, yeah. my hat. <laughs> your cat. <laughs> um, this is the kind of the first time I think we've taken a lot of people that we all know but haven't introduced to each other and just smushed them together and we see what's going to happen, um, which I think is a really fun social experiment. Yeah. What, um, what East Denver tips do you have? Take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. I, um, and what I mean by that is like, there is always something you can be doing at Denver, right? Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. kind of just a massive party. I think everyone goes to it and you can really burn yourself out, especially like if you're a developer and you show up, I see this a lot with like my friends who are devs who come and it's the first time they've ever gone to something. And by day two, they are overwhelmed. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go to this party. I got to go make it over to the event center. Go for a walk. Go for take, a walk. Take a nap. It's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Go touch grass or go touch, touch some, snow. You have to touch some grass or snow or whatever. It's going to be probably tornadoes in Denver. I have no idea. The weather makes <laughs> I hope no not. sense. <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a tornado, I'm blaming you. <laughs> it's my fault if there's a tornado. Yeah. But um, for, I, no, just had, I just had like a flashback to like when we first met in person. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, I think... I ended up at your Airbnb like really late, late at night and I just like passed out on your couch and then like you're FaceTiming Ansem and he was at <laughs> Ansem woke us both from the dead. Yeah. We were, I was that like done. It wasn't my Airbnb. <laughs> oh, that wasn't. Oh, wait, that was no. DRT's. I don't know exactly I mean, was. I don't know, but that was the first time I met you. I was like, oh, you burn, you're burn. Yeah. And then like I remember we met Ansem and he was at the place actually new conscious where we threw our frax event last year and we're throwing it this year and i like saw that i was like oh we have to go i just like (laughs) gathered everyone and we went there i i fondly remember that actually i was sitting on the couch and both of us i think just like levitating up and be like we can leave we can leave (laughs) see these are the magical moments at east denver that happen 
uh, when you make connections and you know yeah, you don't know yeah. where they are going to be in the future. Like how you know it could be your no, podcast that's... guest. <laughs> you could be reminiscing about a three a.m. in someone's Airbnb. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we are we were at East Denver. Do you have any more East? Your, did you have other East Denver tips and advice? There will be more parties. Um, there will always be more things to do. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think that helped me a lot is when you meet people and you message them and you're in the middle of a happy hour, whatever, take a selfie with them and send mm-hmm. it to them. Because there are so many people that I see and I'm like, you know what, I got to be honest, I met 600 people this week. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. But if you take a picture <laughs> with them, it kind of brings back like, oh, we were here, we were doing this, like I talked to this guy about that. And don't be don't feel weird taking notes about it. I know that sounds really like uh, studious and like lame, but you will forget things. Um, you will it's forget. a lot. You will forget stuff. You will forget people. You will forget entire events. Um, writing down just little identifying notes for yourself has helped me a ton. Being like, you know, I met this guy. We talked about this. He was wearing a cool hat. That's enough. You know, you follow up on it later. But doing that kind of thing, you can look back at it, af- back at it afterwards and be like, wow, I did a lot. And then I think you feel more accomplished than just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and being like, oh, no, I did so much and don't remember who I'm supposed to do anything with. Yeah. So I think like the main thing here is, you know, take things slower, Mm -hmm. you know, take it easy. Like you don't have to rush to like every little event. You don't have to catch like every little, you're not going to do everything. You're better off doing like some or a few things really well and to gain the most out of those few events than trying to do like a bunch of events and just getting like the surface of each event. And when you exactly. go to them, and when you go to them, make sh- and you're like meet. You're gonna meet a lot of people. You're gonna forget their names. I forget everyone's name. Uh, <laughs> you can do. <laughs> you can make like take. I do the selfie thing all the time. I probably mm-hmm. have hundreds, if not thousands, of selfies on exactly. my phone with with random people. Uh, but it does through. help, you know. It does it help. Yeah, hundred percent. It does help. Um, but yeah, I've I've been going off. Uh, Kit, uh, you know, you've been quiet over there. I I, I want you. I know it's uh, early for you. So, do you have any questions? Maybe you want to get into uh, Burb's TradFi background. <laughs> yes, I would love to know that. Like, how how does one like what background do you need to become an empress? You know, like how, you know, how does yeah. one get a promotion there? I will tell you first. I'm going to plug because now I have all of my East Denver events that Ottersec is hosting. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Pizza Castle that is with Pizza Dow. It is on Wednesday, February 28th. It is from 6 to 9 p.m. It's us, nouns, near Pizza Dow. Everybody just come eat pizza. Um, take a break from the event. Then we've got a Founders Happy Hour on Thursday. That's at 5 p.m. And that's us, BitGo, Magna, another protocol mixer. Um, that's Saturday from 5 to 8. And then the West Ham party is Saturday from 9 p.m., 10 p.m. until we get kicked out. Um, nice. Or Gary Gensler drops a ham ETF. Whichever happens first. Goes ham. <laughs> if he goes ham, then uh, yeah. yeah. But to answer your question, my background is kind of the long way around. Um, I started in crypto in 2012. And oh. that I, I don't look old enough for that to be like true. Um, but I was in high school and I started using Bitcoin and I thought this is the coolest thing in the world. Why were you using Bitcoin? For the same reason everyone was using Bitcoin, Dave. Uh, regulatory arbitrage. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of Of course. course. Were you not arbitraging regulatory differences in 2012? I was. (laughs) More like 2013 for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> close enough. Um, so I, I was very online. I was very like, I grew up on 4chan. I, you know, I, I mm -hmm. thought it was really cool and different. And it was kind of in the wake of like 2008 and all of the financial stuff just exploding in the US and realizing that maybe it's not always the perfect system. Um, but then I went to college and I kind of pretended I was someone that went outside and didn't know what any of that Bitcoin stuff was. Um, I went to Alabama and I was a student athlete. Alabama? Yeah, roll tide. Roll tide. Um, <laughs> that's a really fun thing to yell. If you've never just yelled roll tide, highly recommend it. Um, roll tide. But, yeah, exactly. It's even more fun if you're just in a crowd of people, especially a crowd of people that doesn't know what that is and you just roll tide. Also I'm going to do well. that after this interview. I'm going to go outside. I'm meeting my friend from billiards. Actually, my friend from kindergarten like moved to LA. Mm -hmm. And like I were, I'm meeting him for billiards after this. I'm just going to like, scream roll tide after I like, beat him in pool. You absolutely should. Yeah. It's also really good when you're about to do a shot with someone. You know, just okay. roll tide. It's, yeah. it's got a lot of uses. There's a, there's a really funny old ESPN commercial. It's like anything you say in Alabama can be met with a roll tide. Doesn't matter what <laughs> it is. Um, Anyway, so I was a double majoring student athlete, and I graduated with a degree in econ and a degree in philosophy. Sick. Yeah. Wait, what sport did you play? I was on the rowing team. Um, I was nice. a coxswain, so I was a little one that sits in boats and yells at people. Ah, uh, I, oh, I minored in, in the front. Uh, in the front, in, the in some of the boats, and in the back, in some of the boats. Yeah. Uh, I minored in philosophy. That's why we get along, Dave. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> one of the many reasons. Just, just the one. But it was like four months before graduation and I realized I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I was all set to go get a PhD and kind of ghost of the program because I decided I was really tired of being poor. And I know that, you know, that sounds bad, but like I, I, I was the first one in my family to even go to college. I was tired of schoolwork and homework. So I kind of threw my resume into the world and just hoped someone would get me. And I ended up working for a brokerage. And my first job was I was just the person answering the phone. So if you called in, you know, and you said, I need help with the 401k, that was me. Um, so in the three and a half years I was there, I took 12,000 phone calls, which is <laughs> a oh. lot of phone calls. Um, the first time I was there, the last job I had was that I was actually the last person you talked to before you sued uh, the brokerage. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so people must have been so pissed coming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you must have gotten really good at handling people from this. Yes. You know, yes, but they also kind of teach you. They, they put you through classes. They're not going to let you, you know, just come out of college and start talking to people. Um, so they kind of teach you how to say yes without saying no and no without saying, you know, without saying no. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you learn how to talk, I guess. Um, but it was a really, really fun job. I actually loved that job because by the time someone got to me, they'd already been through like a first line person, a second line person and their manager. So there was all sorts of like very weird things I had to know or brokers who would call me and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'd be like, I'm not sure what you're doing either. Um, or, you know, if you, I don't know, called in and talked to a broker and you said you wanted to buy Snapchat and they bought you Apple, I was the one going in and like researching that and then being like, actually, you guys talked about Apple for an hour. Um, and actually, there was no you bought one... Apple. Yeah, you, you bought Snapchat. Apple because that was the Apple. whole thing. You, you, you were on that phone call. I heard it because yeah. um, all of the phone calls were recorded. So it was very dynamic and really, really interesting. And, you know, if there was like an outage or something, I was the one fixing it. So I got to talk to a lot of market makers. I, I 
was very close to like exchanges and mm -hmm. learned a lot of rules. Um, so I technically have like seven securities licenses. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I have my three, my four, my seven, my nine, 10, 66 and 63. So, uh, I got a lot of licenses and no advice to give. But. <laughs> I got a lot of licenses and no advice to give. No advice. The Empress no of West Ham, everyone. Yeah. Right. But anyway, during that time, like that was like 2018 or so, Bitcoin kind of started doing its thing again. There was a whole other cycle. And my grandma starts asking me about it. I'm like, all right, my grandma's hearing about it. This is probably the top. Um, but I started kind of looking into it again and poking around. And then I left the brokerage job because the average tenure of someone on the team was something like 20 years. And I did it in you know, a year and a half. Um, so there was nowhere to really go. So I, I moved to Chicago on a total whim and um, worked for a market maker just as like bottom of the totem pole. And I did that for like a year and decided I, I had seen enough behind the curtain. I didn't enjoy market making. Wasn't really what I thought it would be. Um, so I actually called the brokerage back and went back. You weren't making markets, you were breaking markets. I was breaking a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's go into that though. What, what did you expect and what was it really? Okay, so you know when you hear like floor trader, you think like P and market making, you think like buy, sell, people all over the yeah, place. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not really Signals. like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's ARB, exactly. You know, you'd be, <laughs> but um, it doesn't really work like that anymore. It's, it's a lot of people behind computers, they call it screens or, you know, and it's a lot of the quants have programmed in stuff that says you should buy it when it does this and sell it when it does that. So it's kind of not as old school and on the floor. And that's all I really wanted. I didn't want to sit at a computer all day, um, which mm. became a running theme in my life. So I didn't want to sit at the computer all day. Um, but I went back to the brokerage in kind of a completely different capacity, started trading NFTs on the side, jumped to a startup, um, got into a lot of arguments with my boss at the startup because he was an old analyst for like an old hedge fund and he hated crypto. And I was trading NFT and thought, there's some really cool stuff going on here. Like, why don't you talk about it if you hate it so much? And he swore up and down, it would never happen. Nothing's ever going to work with it. And I uh, disagreed and, you know, put my money where my mouth was. And then he, um, unfortunately, we had a whole startups explode, right? That, that just happens. Um, so it exploded in a pretty ugly way. And I left and that was when I jumped full time to crypto. Mm. Um, I went to a Solana DeFi protocol. So I really jumped right into the deep end. I'd you been trading on Ethereum. Oh, you went sweet. to HXRO, right? Hero. Hero Network. Hero. Hero. Yeah, yeah Hero. that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's pronounced Hero. Okay. It's pronounced Hero. I, um, yeah, we got that one okay. a lot. But that yeah. was, I, I did that for like a year. That was, there were two parts to it. There was like a really fun retail side. And then there was a really heavy infrastructure, like liquidity, primitive underneath kind of thing like that. So I, I did a lot of that. And then. I actually quit that because I wanted to move to New York and um, yeah, had kind of a tough time getting to New York, had a job kind of fall through. I, I got a little rugged um, and came That's out of it. Happens. it. It does. You know, you trust people and maybe you should get some more things in writing than you get. And it's ugly, but it ended up for the best. And I ended up working. Um, I decided, and this is kind of something I tell people when they really ask about this is that there's kind of a natural tension that exists between like sales and engineering and product, which is what I was doing, kind of sits in the middle of that and takes all of your responsibility and says no to everything and tries and fixes all the problems. And I kind of decided that instead of fixing the problems, I wanted to cause the problems. 
Um, I so, see a trend in, in your career. Yeah, I'm seeing probably <laughs> a trend here. <laughs> uh, it's um, like that meme. I'm gonna cause problems on purpose. That I woke up and decided I wanted to choose some violence, and you know, BD is all about finding like the win-win. It's not about saying no. It's not about managing the shareholder expectations. It's not about talking to people. Well, it is about talking to people. That's the part I like. But mm-hmm. it's a lot more of how can I say yes and how can we all win? And I think that's my favorite part of crypto, too, is that there are I don't think it's a zero sum game. I really, truly don't. I think it's kind of everyone can win. Look, it's a positive sum game. You know, if you find enough ways, everyone can win. Everyone can create value. It's you don't have to take it from someone else in order to create it here. This is exactly the Frax philosophy. That is what I like about Frax. Yeah. Yeah. Sam has been beating that drum. Uh, The whole team has been beating that drum since the beginning of Rax, like positive sum, we can all win together. We can all grow together. And that's that's one of the things I really like about Frax too, is that there's so much to it. And it, it all kind like, of works what, together. It does. It does. Like, uh, what do you think of Frax and what do you know about Frax? I think a lot of things about Frax, but I like it. Um, <laughs> I, think I think a lot of things. I think it's ambitious. <laughs> I think we don't have enough people that think big in the space, right? Like we've got people that kind of do their, mm-hmm. I'm going to restake this and I'm going to get yield and that's it. But you guys are kind of a lot more like, we have this thing, but how do we make it more things? And how do we get everybody in? And how does it even get bigger from there? And I really like the growth and the, the mindset of it of, yeah, parts of it are super technical and we don't have to talk about that. I could talk about the mechanism design, but I, I don't really want to. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it is just how can we win together? And that's kind of what I look for in a lot of the protocols that I like, like and talk to a lot. Yeah, it's kid. It's funny. Like going to Frax now, there's like a whole RWA stablecoin. There's a whole so L2 much. LSD. Now there's an L2 chain, yeah. like incentive design at the chain level, not just at the application level. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, but but you know, like going back to like the the BD conversation a bit is that kind of makes our job a little bit easier, right? Like we have so many different products that we can effectively sell depending on what audience we engage in. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think it actually helps us a little bit. And like, you know, what Burp said earlier was everything connects. It's not that everything is like despair. It's not like we had an NFT marketplace. But hey, by the way, we have a perps protocol that only trades, uh, you know, synthetic. six different perps. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think like the most one of the most, if not the most impressive thing about Frax is how many like ground, pioneering groundbreaking primitives and designs they've created, whether it's the AMOs. Uh, whether it's like the design of Frax ETH, which is like two tokens, and I've seen multiple like other LSTs on other chains. I just saw Infrared on Bear Chain has a two token design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, first one to come out with uh, FXBs, like the you know Frax Bonds yield curve on chain, and then uh, like Fractal Points and the oh. whole Flux mechanism. Have you heard about this, Burb? I haven't heard about this. Tell me more about the points. Okay, so love the points. <laughs> love the points. I love points too. You know, we used to be farmers. Now we're off the farm and we're all athletes. So <laughs> Sorry. put me put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to get some points. Yeah. So how how the flux mechanism works is I'll, I'll give some context. So, you know, before with like points, people and teams kind of give them out arbitrarily or they give out like airdrops and tokens arbitrarily, whether it's like arbitrum with the stip incentives or like every l2 with their point system like hey come here we'll give you points for this or that and there's no there's no like rhyme or reason it's just like it's very simple um 
what Frax realized is like, hey, how can we like incentivize, how can we scale up incentivizing, you know, positive contributions and actions to the Fraxtal L2. And so how Flox works is like, hey, what if we take like Google PageRank and like put it towards smart contracts in an L2? So it's, they have something called FloxRank and it rewards the highest used smart contracts and, you know, most engaged users with points based on an algorithm that has three different um, variables in it. One is like, what are the most popular used smart contracts? Two is the FXS boost, your VE FXS boost. And then three is how much of like a FRAX liability you have, a, a FRAX stablecoin you have. You can have like a bunch of holding FRAX or FRAX ETH. And it takes all this together in aggregate to give you points. And it does this like week by week. Uh, and we'll do that for the next year. And then in, they say in 12 months from now in the docs, it will turn into something liquid, whether that's like FXS or like a separate token, it's TBD. But uh, yeah, TLDR, uh, Google PageRank, but for smart contracts. I like that. Yeah. An L2 like that, that loves you back. An L2 Ooh. that loves you back. If, the, if you're not of- using that. As a as a tagline, you really should be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I didn't know I did, I could do that. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you I could do. I, I didn't know either. Yeah. It does it. I mean, does it work like you know the Google Meets? You can do like thumbs up sometimes, and it starts yeah, yeah, thumbs yeah. upping everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what so else we got? So we got the heart. No, oh, the heart didn't work then, for me. I, I think I have balloons. Oh, it's doing it again. No. Oh, it's just Dave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Dave, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's uh, Flock Strength. That's where I was at. Yeah, it's interesting how they can. Oh, the thing I was going to say is the second order effect of this is if I'm doing, if I'm a protocol looking to deploy somewhere and I want to find where like the most active users are, I could either like, you know, create like some system that's going to get sibled and stuff. Like you see all this shit happening on GitHub now. Like people are just spamming. I have thoughts about that. Correcting typos. Yeah, correcting typos. But like now I can just look at like the Flox rank system. I can see like, oh, like these are like the most engaged users. I'm going to airdrop not only to like VE FXS stakers, I'm going to airdrop to people who have points. So it's like quite an ingenious system. So pretty excited for that to come out. I like that. I like that a lot more than the current kind of meta around how we do airdrops and points and rewards. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on uh, the recent, I just saw like a thread of like how to spam GitHubs to civil. And then I saw Lawrence. like, if you do this, every ETH developer has the right to go to your house and just and beat shoot. you up. And shoot, and shoot. <laughs> no, um, as a non-technical person, I look, I think show me incentives. I'll show you the outcome, right? Like if that's what you want to do incentivize was just pure developer activity, which I actually think was a really poor idea in the very specific first case of this. Um, that's what you're going to get, right? Like, it's just sibling, but on GitHub. And all you've done is limit that to anyone who can use GitHub. Congratulations. But, like, if all you're doing is approving and giving money and airdrops and rewarding the people who have done things on GitHub, that kind of leaves out, like, a whole bunch of people. So, you know, if you wanted to reward people, I kind of feel like you can't necessarily gatekeep it like that. And I think it's a lot better to do things like what you're talking about with, you know, you're rewarding the most engaged users, whatever that looks like, rather than just GitHub contributions or tweets or things like that. Yeah, rewarding actions and things that happen on chain. Rewarding users rather than numbers 
or wallets, I think is smarter. Yeah. What do you think uh, protocols and L2s and change should look for and try to do when doing airdrops and point systems? Like what types of activity do you want to reward and incentivize? I think whatever usage looks like. You know, if, it, if you're a protocol real usage, that, real yeah. usage not just, oh, you know, I contributed to your GitHub. And if you're going to try and narrow that down beyond like, I don't know, active wallets or something like you have to be very careful with it because you're going to do something that's going to piss people off some way, shape or form. And no, nobody's ever not. Everyone's always going to be happy. But I honestly think the wider and broader you go with the airdrops, like they're expensive for you to do. You might as well get the best ROI out of them. And the best ROI is acquiring as many users as you can. Not, mm -hmm. we want just this specific type of users, others aren't welcome. So I think going narrow and going niche is actually the wrong move. Yeah, you want a, a wide base. You want mm -hmm. to feel like, every, like the wider like the airdrop. Yeah, everybody can win, the positive sum. Like, look at the Uniswap airdrop. I know when look I got the ENS. Look at ENS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, like, speaking of, like, you know, wide range participation, uh, this popped in my head. ICOs, the ICO era. Back back in the day, you know, anybody could like go in and you know be a part of a raise and be like, oh, I I believe in this and this and, and like put put their money in, blah blah blah. Um, do you think the ICOs did something right? Uh, and like, do you think like if 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 it was regulatory kosher, like it would be a good thing if ICOs or something similar came back? I think if we were in a different regulatory environment, I'd be a little more for them. But I think they're. Not necessarily far enough removed from realistically kind of the way some of the existing regulatory like space yeah, works. Right. She has yeah. seven you know? securities licenses. She has seven. She you can seven. do a little better than like, what if we just did an ICO? Like, come on. You know, I, I think. A token generation event. A fair launch token <laughs> generation. Okay. You know, there's, there's also. What, what do you think of the Jupiter launch? I'm personally a little salty. I didn't get more. <laughs> I think that's Fair. probably how most Fair. people feel. Um, wish I'd gotten more. I actually don't think they did anything wrong. I think that's... They told everybody what they were going to do. They broadcasted it. Like, it could not have been louder. They were like, we're testing stuff. We did mock dupe. We did when. We're, do we're, we're playing with things, which I think is a attitude and ethos in the space that we're losing, right? It gets more financialized. It gets more corporate. Everyone starts talking to VCs and wearing suits and everyone kind of stops playing. And I really think what they were doing was, and I know this isn't necessarily like a popular opinion, they were playing. And if you chose to look at that and be like, well, I'm going to speculate off that, then I mean, maybe it was a good trade for you and maybe it wasn't, but that's how all trades go. So I'm not really mad at that. I think it was, it definitely got a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. Which I uh, think is the goal of any real airdrop, right? Is getting your name out there and they sure got their name out there. Yeah, like airdrop is just another vehicle for marketing. So it is. Can, it really you, is. Yeah, if you consider like all the second order effects of that, like the airdrop, like was out of the park. Easy. Yeah. You know, everybody so, wants I, money. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So, so that, I think that is exactly um, the perverse mindset that we have in crypto is because just because there is an airdrop, we expect it to be minimum four figures, or it which is ridiculous. Right, it, it would just—it's such a ridiculous. So you know, uh, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to kind of like the crypto gaming side, but there is this meta of like play to airdrop, right? You literally, as it sounds, you play the games in hopes of you getting an airdrop, and 
you know, I was playing this web two game and I was, I was streaming it and talking about it. And somebody asked me, I was like, what's, what's the advantage for playing this game? You know, I'm like, dude, I'm not playing Play for game. advantage. I just want to have fun. <laughs> for fun. I Having for fun, fun with my friends online. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I don't play to airdrop. I play to have fun, you know, and it's just, so coming from that mindset though, like, how do you think, do we fix that? Or do we just keep giving people more four figure airdrops? Well, more I mean, free money, more free me money. money. <laughs> um, yeah, no, kidding. but I mean, I think you're right. It's we've trained everyone to kind of be like, what do you mean? You're only giving me $200. Like that's, can you imagine trying to explain to your parents? I, I'm mad at someone because they didn't give me enough free money. Like if you start explaining this to normal people, everyday people who are not involved in crypto at all, they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know, people do things for fun. People do things because they like them. And if the only reason people are using you is because they think they're going to get an airdrop out of it, maybe you don't you have good enough product. Those research. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and that perverts your PMF, like, mm -hmm. like metrics. Like, do you know you solved the problem or are you like, or are like, people how, just how do you hoping? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the people are happy with a free burrito from Chipotle. Right, like that's seven dollars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, let's 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 spring. I mean, it's block, more like fourteen so here, nine, but you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I gotta say, inflation really shows at Chipotle more than any other restaurant. <laughs> yeah, and they get really, really uh, stingy with the scoops. Yeah, I know. So stingy. There's a Twitter account I used to love. It was called like Miserly Scoops, and there was this guy that um, he only got like rice and chicken from Chipotle because he was on some sort of like diet, and he would take out all of the like meat and weigh it and then take out all the rice and weigh it. And he was like, these are always so off. They're like 50% over on rice and 40% under on meat. You're giving everyone diabetes. And it was this Twitter. It was the greatest Twitter account. He, <laughs> what he, happened to it? I, he just logged off one day and I haven't seen him since. He logged off in no. one forever. He logged off in one forever, I guess. Um, getting his scoops. Getting, he's probably out there somewhere getting accurate, adequate scoops of meat, I hope. <laughs> Right about me. Uh, um, so back to the your BD side. I mm -hmm. feel like we just cut off before you joined Ottersec. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So let's get on to. Ot You're actually the second person from Ottersec to join the pod. The first was Cuffy, uh, like a year and a half ago. He was an early guest. Wow. We love, must, we love. We love Cuffy. We, we love, love Cuffy. Cuffy is yeah. actually the one that got me. Um, not Ian. He didn't like hire me. He helped me uh, along the process of getting hired uh, in Ottersec because I was, I don't really like talking about the period before I was at Ottersec too much, um, but I wasn't mm -hmm. doing real well. And I was very much going through this, like, what do I do? Who am I? Like, I was also turning 30. Like, it was a whole existential mess of like, what do I want to do and who am I? And Ottersec came along and was like, look, we sell auditing right we're security and they do a lot of like very niche very different like not just oh we read your code congratulations it's you know safe they, yeah a plus <laughs> never talk to us again that's not how they work right like they actually started as a bunch of guys that do like online like uh capture the flag competitions together they were just white hat hackers who decided that like they were doing really well at that and maybe they should make a company out of it and i was really going through this like crisis of faith like i said and i was like you know I don't know what I believe in. I don't know who is right anymore, but I know one thing. And that is if we want crypto to work, like you can't just have grandma's money stolen by a 13 year old in a basement with an internet connection and an Amazon fire stick. Like that can't happen. Um, so maybe I'll go there and try and like 
figure it out while I, you know, figure it out. Um, but I actually ended up really loving it. Um, really? I, I get to, yeah, it's so much cooler than I thought. I, it's a very different side of things. I'm not, like I said, I'm not super technical. If you make me do more than sequel, like I generally start crying. Um, but learning and meeting all the people and being like, here's what we found to make your code safer has been really, really cool. And there's all these things and all these guys and girls, and it's not just guys, um, who are really, really passionate in this community about making sure that like code is safe and it actually works and it really does what it says it will and it won't do stuff it says it won't do. And I think that's like vital in the space right now because there's a lot of times where transactions don't do what you think they're gonna do or you know people get hacked because I don't know, some really dumb bug happened. And being there to be like, hey, maybe we can make this safer and we all win here really kind of brought back a lot of my faith in crypto. So well, I love this arc. <laughs> it's been a redemption one, arc. <laughs> the re I love to hear it. Cause I, yeah. I remember we like met up and talked like right before you joined OtterSec. Mm -hmm. you were like wondering like, what should I do this and that? And I'm just like, you know, just go with the flow. Like, and you were right. Thing. Yeah. This like totally things work right. out. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, what are like some things you learned about the audit industry and like just how security is done in crypto from uh, OtterSec? So I've learned a lot of things. And I think the biggest takeaway so far for me has been like, everyone hears the advice and everyone's like, oh, what tips do you have on security? And I'm like, you know what, are you doing the basics? Like, do you have 2FA on? Are you using a Google Authenticator? How many people act, you know, wow, real basics, okay, real basics, because everyone knows this advice, everyone hears all of this stuff, and then no one follows it. No, you know, oh, I clicked a link and signed a I transaction without looking. Well, why did you do that? You know, oh, um, I, so, I know why I know why, because they didn't realize money. that 2FA had an airdrop. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't realize if they just got sim swapped, everything would be great. No, I mean, really, there's such basic stuff we see every day, like Gary Gensler's Twitter, you know, just things like that, where like people aren't doing the basics and those go a long way because any intro in, like friction you introduce into the, like stopping people from getting in, they give up along the way. And what's, the more protected you are, the better. What's the quote? It's like uh, a drop of prevention is like an ounce of cure or something like, yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. Some, some shit like that. Just like a little bit, like if you do like a little bit to prevent, it goes a long way. Just, just a little bit. Just, and I mean, just... there's a lot that goes on in auditing that like, I don't necessarily agree with. I really like, like the model that people like Coderina and like ImmuneFi are doing where there's bounties and, you know, the more people you get looking at it and the more sets of eyes on something, the more likely you're mm -hmm. to find something. Mm -hmm. And I think those are awesome and they win and they give people who wouldn't necessarily have like an opportunity in the space to actually contribute and, and help. Um, what I don't like is there's kind of a lot of firms that, you know, it's, Hey, give us money. We look at code. Okay, done. Goodbye. And then they never speak again. And there's no ongoing relationship. And if you get hacked, like nothing happens to them. There's no skin in the game for them. It's, mm -hmm. it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Um, so that's something I think we're trying to work on fixing. We've, we've got a lot of ideas in the Ooh. works. Yeah. But could you like put up like a bond and be like, Hey, this is like, or you could maybe have someone, I don't know, underwrite insurance or sell put protection. And you know, there's all sorts of things you can do with repricing risk. I think we just have to get a little more creative as an industry. 
Ooh, maybe use eigenlayer of restake to, <laughs> to, to reinstate. That's, that's that's like my like use case of eigenlayer. That's my prediction for eigenlayer in the future. That it's going to be um, restakes for insurance purposes because it makes sense. That's interesting. That does make sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, I wanted to ask a bit more about auditing because you know I. I'm always so curious about that side of the business. And mm -hmm. I, I just want to kick this off with this meme that we all know and you know, all love to, to this firm, but it's basically the Pepe frog. Like just mm -hmm. like see this new protocol, loves it, sees that who's this audited by, and then it starts sweating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm just going to leave yeah. the meme there, like all of, but like there, there's some truth to that, right? Like, you know, you said earlier about how once you kind of correct the code, you're like, I right, see ya, man. Best of right. luck out there. When a developer is trying to choose an auditor to work with, what would you recommend and give advice to them on? It's not all about cost. Um, I know that sounds bad. I know that like, there's a lot you can say there, but on one hand, I do really understand the plight of like the small team who doesn't have the money for a full gigantic, you know, mm -hmm. total assessment. And I do think there's some things we're also working on with that at the chain level, because I think that's going to really help. Um, but like that stifles innovation, right? Like if you can't afford to get something audited, then that, that sucks. But if you can, and you kind of try and, you know, see, I don't know that security is where you should be trying to save the most money and, and nickel and diming, right? Like you're going to get what you pay for. Um, and boy, is that, you know, a couple thousand dollars going to look really, really cheap if you do get hacked. <laughs> um for a lot more than that probably so Could you tell us the range though is it like you know hey 5k quick audit or there's like a 50k package like how how so wide is this range? it's really difficult right like everyone wants to ask this their first question is always like what does it cost and i'm like well it, it right. depends which is such a like unfair answer um but like it's like what do you we, mean it depends well so we don't look <laughs> at like lines of code we're not like this is a hundred lines of code this will be a hundred dollars like we look at the complexity of something we look at how long is it going to take us to, you know, implement a patch? Like, what if there's something that needs to get fixed? Like, how do we work together on this? And that's the other piece of advice I would give is go with the people that you like the most. Like, a relationship is really the most important part of this because these are the people that are going to be, like, testing your stuff and making sure it works and helping you fix it. And if you don't like them, then, like, there's probably someone better out there for you. Do you have any uh, war stories or, like, from audit auditing and stuff like let's get to the war story stories on the ground audit's gone bad audit's gone bad i think we're just mostly like we don't get hacked <laughs> no i mean like every once in a while right like we find a bug in something we missed before and i think that's embarrassing but at the same time like as code bases and as kind of languages get more complex there's not less attack vectors right there's more um, so I don't necessarily know that, and this probably doesn't sound like a really big, big, like badge of confidence for anyone using Otterstack, but it is, we know that there's always going to be new things out there, like new ways of hacking things new. And then once something gets hacked, you find like 50 copycats, like immediately because everybody made the same mistake. So with unlimited time and unlimited resources, like if North Korea decides that your protocol is it there's probably nothing you can do, right? Like it's gonna mm -hmm. happen, but finding the right people, working with them, getting as many eyes on your code as you possibly can. That's how you kind of keep this from ending up in war story land. Yeah. 
Uh, if only we had on uh, FTR again uh, from Green Lake, Drosera. Yeah. Oh, for you, you would love this guy. So, like, let's say, so um, we had this guy on. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. just a guy; he's the man. His name's the FTR. Man. He's the man. He is X, but intelligence NSA army mm-hmm. dude, and he's mm-hmm. he's he's basically uh, if your protocol gets hacked, like you have him on retainer, and he will find who did it within like two days and get law enforcement there. So it's like kind of like, this yeah. is like the other part of security. It's like you have one part of security, which is preventative, like with audits mm-hmm. and cleaning up the code and everything like that. But then there's like this other part of security of like, okay, like these things are going to happen. What are you going to do after? So you can just hire like Green Lake, shout out FDR Green Lake, have them on retainer and they'll figure out like, okay, like how did this happen? Um, like let's figure in where could we trace it to and he had some crazy stories kid remember yeah, the interview yeah, i do i he, do i uh, he like yeah go ahead. go ahead sorry no you can finish i've cut uh, you off he, like 10 times no no i'm, I'm just interviewing i'm <laughs> vibing. Uh, we're vibing we're vibing so he had that one story where he uh like these russians hacked a protocol and they like counter hacked the russians and they got in the video cameras of like some like state sponsored russian hackers and stuff it was crazy I do have a really fun little story, actually. Um, oh, there was it. a hack. This is not from Ottersec. This was from before Ottersec, but I knew the guys that did this. Um, there was a protocol called something like MISO or something like that that got hacked, and it was for a couple million dollars. And instead of, like, going to the police, because at that time, like, they, they're helpful, but they're only so helpful. Um, and, and a lot of them don't, like, law enforcement doesn't entirely know what to do with some of this. They found the hacker's address and um, sent him through DoorDash like a thousand things of miso soup. And uh, just just to be like, we, we know who you are. Like, we got you. Give the money yeah. back. And they got the money back kind That's of so funny. same day. That's so cool. Um, so, yeah, that one, that one. I love that one. It's about sending a message. It's about sending a message. But for everyone that can't send a message, I want to take a second and plug something. Um, there's what's called on Ethereum, SEAL 911. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's a collection of security researchers and folks. It's a Telegram group that is always talking about security, always kind of on high alert. So if something gets hacked and you, you know you get hacked, you go contact that group. They are that's all they do all day. So they've got war rooms, they've got everything you could need. They know who to talk to, they know where to go. And those like first I don't know, 12 hours after a hack happens are really important. And you want people who have done this before. You don't want to just be going, oh, my God, who am I supposed to find? Who do I talk to? What do we do? You want these guys. And they're doing something really cool, too, called the uh, Safe Harbor Agreement. And what this does is it's a collection of white hats who agree that, like, if you see a hack in progress, um, you can front run it. And here's where you can send the money. And we've all agreed up front that this is okay and this is cool. And you've agreed up front that that's what you're going to do, so you don't look like a black hat trying to steal from another guy. Like, and, uh, yeah, so it because every second counts, and so every you may second see, counts. So you may see like an opportunity to recover the funds, mm-hmm. but you don't want to look like a black hat, or you don't. It's just like these things require legal things get really complicated. Oh, legally, yeah. yeah. And so, so there's you know like recovery uh, addresses set up and like protocols in place where like if you see a hack happen and you can stop it do stop it here's where you can send the money back and we'll give you some of it as a reward as a way to kind of protect those like white hats 
Um, so that I think is a really great thing that they're doing, which is what part are, of SEAL 911. What are your thoughts on, you see a lot of security researchers and maybe like mm. smaller audit firms, even like medium larger auto firms that try to tweet for clout and like and like live hacks are in progress and they'll tweet like hey it looks like there's a problem here like <laughs> you this might want to check this out <laughs> yeah and like it's usually usually like tweet something and like sometimes it's still in progress and it's like makes it more vulnerable i believe that happened with like the curve uh the, the mm -hmm. viper exploit and, and yeah. it happens like a good amount of time like how can we like get audit firms to stop tweeting for clout stop rewarding them for tweeting for clout yeah I stop mean, giving them the engagement uh don't I guess, don't I guess that's something wrong with twitter because like twitter like feeds off that stuff twitter feeds off that stuff if you start quote tweeting it you start dunking on it you start you know tagging protocols you start commenting and liking that just encourages these firms to keep doing that if you take away their engagement they respond to engagement just like the rest of us right like if they see something's not working they stop doing it stop mm -hmm. rewarding those things you know i think as a space we all have to come together and be like this is probably not the right way to handle this rather than try and get an individual to like change a behavior that is rewarding them right now. Like that's yeah. also a perverse incentive. I, I don't think we can ever stop that. That's like almost our on-chain version of like TMZ, right? It's like a scandal <laughs> that, that just kind of happens. And we're like, oh my God, let's all tune in. Yeah. We all love a good scandal. We all love a little drama. We all love a little action. That's why we're here. But if we want something to no longer be done for cloud, then we have to stop giving it cloud when it is done. I want to um, shift gears a bit from auditing to the Bitcoin ETF because you talked about that with a friend, uh, Diana. Yeah. Diana. Why don't I keep on saying Diana? Diana? D Diana. 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 Diana, Diana Inktow. Uh, shout out Diana, a friend of the show. Uh, but Bitcoin ETF. Um, it's been out for a month. Mm -hmm. uh, when you filmed with Diana, it was like, it just came out. So what are your thoughts on the Bitcoin ETF performance, how it's been received, how it's been performing, its inflows, its reception, Bitcoin ETF, go. It's actually uh, gotten more inflows than I thought it would. I really thought this was like a sell the news kind of event because once it happened, like, okay, great. Like I didn't think retail was going to come flooding in and I still don't think they've come flooding in, but they're having a lot more success than I thought they would. Um, it's actually been a lot of inflows coming in more than I expected. I think I just saw something that was like 2.5 billion went into all of them in the past week, which is a lot. And I mean, I think that's good for all our bags, uh, good for adoption of the space, but at the same time, like, let's go. Is an ETF really what, uh, is an ETF adoption or is it institution eating us? I'm not really sure. That's a good question. Um, and they, and they distract the us answer. with number go up. Right. They figured out the number go up game, right? But like the whole point, I think, originally of crypto was to be something outside of the existing financial rails, outside of the existing kind of And now this is like being captured by the financial system. So I don't system. really know who won here. Um, the narrative is still kind of evolving. I'm sure I'll look back at this podcast in a year and be like, damn, I shouldn't have said that. But I don't really know. I, I don't, I'm mixed on it, honestly. Well, we can ask ourselves if gold never had an ETF, would gold get as big as it is today? Like you need, I, I if you want, not. yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know. I, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily understand what gold does as a fight. Like there's a huge difference between buying actual bars of gold and buying like a gold ETF or a gold futures contract. Like 
you're actually looking to physically deliver in gold, those are not the ways you would do it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if they're actually useful in that sense. Oh, what's actually the gold ETF? Yeah. Like if you think about it, if you buy an ETF, you're buying something that, you know, is a basket of goods. In order for you to actually get the gold, you'd need to go like physically redeem that basket for your gold. And they're not doing that via ETFs. They do like creation and redemptions, but they don't do them where you just like, here's your gold. Same thing with like futures contracts. If you physically, you can physically deliver gold. You have to go to one of like seven places in the United States and like show them your receipt. And they're like, here's your gold. But people buy gold because they think it's like going to help them if there's some sort of like apocalyptic future. But if that happens, you know, if that comes to pass and we don't have internet or electricity and all the markets are gone, those are not the instruments you would have wanted to use to get your gold. So I don't really know. Yeah, you just would want your gold. You want your gold. Bed or something. Then, you just want yeah. gold. You don't want like a, a paper that says, I mowed this gold. Right. Okay. You know, can I eat this paper? That's not really going to help me in a crisis. Um, and I'm not even sure you really want gold in a super emergency like that. Like if we have a nuclear fallout war, you want gasoline, you want water, and you want guns and bullets. You don't want gold. Uh, <laughs> so I'm Are not you sure. Burb? Are you prepping, <laughs> I, You know, <laughs> my prepper group, shout out to those guys. Uh, they've taught me a lot about what you should have in your garage. And it's a lot uh, of water and gasoline. Yeah. That's true. Um, but I, any other thoughts about the uh, the Bitcoin ETF? I mean, yeah, granted, if the, the world, if there's nuclear war, there's, I'll go, I'll go buy yeah. ETF, but... You know, let's say the world keeps going as it is. Like, where do you in see that? In that case, I think it's good. You know, I think it's good from the aspect of like, grandma doesn't have to figure out how to get on chain and buy a Bitcoin. She can just invest in a retirement account and they'll buy it. Um, so I think from the angle of like, getting more people awareness and, and buying mm -hmm. stuff and using it, it's great. Um, I, I think the price is probably going to track whatever Bitcoin does. So maybe number go up. Perhaps. Where do you see, <laughs> um, what are your, where do you, where do you see Bitcoin and ETH a year from now? I know like last podcast, you were like, uh, BTC all time high, so all time high, ETH, no all time high in 2024. Do you I, still I believe think that? I'm standing by that. Yeah. You're standing by that? I'm standing by that. I think Bitcoin hits some new highs. I don't think ETH does this year. I think maybe next year. Um, mm. I think someone has to win the L2 kind of meta first and then they'll all go there. And I do think actually the one thing that maybe changes my opinion of some of this is whatever WorldCoin does, because it is, you know, on ETH, it, it does use the Ethereum stuff. So if all of the money starts flowing into WorldCoin as kind of a proxy bet on Sam Altman and you Sora, maybe we'll see beta? something different. Dude, I think so. This is the uh, the new. Here's debate my on that's my like, schizo that's my schizo trade of the week. Yeah. Oh, this is that. Oh, like Worldcoin equals ETH number go up. Yes. Mm, that's pretty mm. okay. Uh, Identity actually, play. I wanted, I, Here, go I ahead, wanted to get your your thoughts, Burb, on like the ETH ETF. And since your your concern like was you know Bitcoin really Satoshi's real vision of the thing he had created. Satoshi's I, vision. I feel like Satoshi's for like vision. ETH, it's even more imperative because obviously we're you know proof of stake and obviously blackrock is going to vacuum all the stakes there will be the steakhouse <laughs> in, in that situation like welcome to blackrock steakhouse where we eat your lunch <laughs> um, like, 
what what happens then like i think like that is scarier because you know bitcoin is proof of work so it was like yeah go ahead collect all my bags and then pump it you know uh, you're right that is scary uh, um i love your thoughts I, i think in that case we feel we probably see a lot of people go to alternative chains right just because of the narrative of like institutions and blackrock and the way everyone feels about everything if all of a sudden eth is the guy in a suit at a hedge fund i, I think it i don't think that goes well for eth um but I've been a little bearish on ETH, maybe undeservedly lately. So <laughs> yeah, I don't what's know. What's the deal? Why are you such an ETH bear? You want to know the real answer? Yeah. Yes. I'm so sick of paying gas fees, and I'm so sick of. Uh, <laughs> you you try to explain a, blo- a, a blockchain or anything to random guy on street or dude in taxi, right? And they kind of get it, and then you throw L2s into the mix, and it's just done. Yeah. I, I, Someone has to win there first before I'm going to be bullish on it. And if you start talking to a guy in a taxi and you're like, well, you could go this way, you could go this way. There's 12 different ways to try and scale this. Someone has to win. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was uh, reading this book, Read Right Own. Mm-hmm. Um, How is that? I haven't gotten to read it yet. It's really good. I, you know, it's, I'm like a third of the way through. You know, I got Chris Dixon really explains things well, uh, giving context of history, using good metaphors and examples. He does a good job. Um, so trying to finish that before saturday but anyways i was i go to i go to like all these different coffee shops just like and like i didn't want none of them were open except like this one which has really good like egg sandwiches but like every time i like eat outside there there's always like homeless schizo people that come up to me and i'm a nice guy so i like talk to them for like 20 30 minutes but um and i was like i don't want to talk to them today i like but like i guess i'll like sit outside and so I went to get my coffee and food and I'm sitting there and of course a schizo homeless person like comes up and starts talking. He's like, Hey, like, what are you reading? Like, what's the, and then like, he was like, what's the blockchain? And so I had to, <laughs> so I was like explaining, <laughs> explaining to this homeless person what a, a blockchain was and like how it all works. And like, I use the uh, Excel, the, the Google sheet Excel example of like a decentralized Excel sheet always updating. And he was like, oh. and then I just, he kind of just got more and more schizo. I'm like, I forgot my phone at home. I'm going to go. And so then I, I left. But I was like, I hope you can use my knowledge. Bye. <laughs> now imagine trying to explain uh, bridging to an L2 to that guy or girl. No, I, I mean, try to explain that to anyone. I, right. Then, like, so the, I just think that whole meta, it, it it's not time yet, right? Like it, uh-huh. it's still stuck in this kind of technical, all of the points against like, why you would use X over Z or like why Arbitron versus Optimism versus Base versus like, and they're also going to exist. And now you have this mess mm-hmm. of different stable coins. It's not like the native stable coin or native token. Right. It's like you have like wrap tether or wrap USDC, USDC. It's and confusing this is for the, me. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, what is the real USDC? What is the native one? And this what is, is what, USDC anymore? You know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is what, you know, Frax is like thought of and is trying to solve with, with Fraxel. And I think in the future, you're just going to have like a thousand, thousands of L2s. And then, like you're gonna have your L, like you're gonna have your like main chain where like all your tokens are like receipts or like that's the final chain of settlement. And then it's gonna be like natively issued on all different chains. It's like oh, you're gonna have like it on Arb, it on OP, it on Solana. Like doesn't matter. But all like the receipts, it happens on like your main home chain. And that's how like basically Fraxel works. That's like what I like about Fraxel and Frax is that it all makes sense. It all comes back together. It's very ambitious, but it's very contained. Yes. Cohesion. It's a bit, yeah. The, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
I, I just wanted to, to get on this point before we, we go too far off. It's like, um, Barb, you said something about crowning the winner in the L2 meta. Like, the meta got to change. Like, you know, so as, you know, an empress, what would it take for an L2 to be crowned? Like, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> wow. How do I answer that without uh, showing some of my bias here? It's... I think it's going to be a UX thing in the end. I think whoever has the easiest way that you get from point A to point B with scaring the least amount of people, like I don't want to sit there and wait 30 scaring minutes on a bridge. Scaring the least amount of hose. Scaring the least amount of hose, the one with the best vibes, if you will. Um, I think that's how you win, right? Like I, there's so many that are really scary when you go to bridge and you're like, I, gee, I hope I did this right. And I, oh, and you know, it's why am I doing this? And you're paying a gazillion dollars to get on there. And then you're like, it's going to take forever. Whoever can figure out just how to get past that, that's who's going to win, right? Like, it's the friction thing I talked about earlier. When when you start introducing points of friction, that's where people start falling out. So the less mm-hmm. friction you give them, the and less the more space. points you get them. And the more points you give them, <laughs> <laughs> the less space there is for them to fall out. And so you get more people. So Actually, who the do you points think... makes your tolerance for friction goes up. Yes. So, again, you know. so maybe not points. Again, goes back to maybe we don't incentivize people by paying them to use our chains. What's interesting about UX and stuff? Bitcoin has terrible UX, but everyone's going over to like do ordinals and like different ordinals. It's a feature, and not a bug. It's a feature, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like people, if like there's money to be made, it does not matter like how shitty the UX is or you know how expensive it is. People will spend their money and they will go over there. I agree, it, yeah. but the most people. And the most winning is done by the easiest ways of doing things, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about doing things. Exactly. Tron is a huge winner. You know, Tron is a huge winner. Dave and I talk tether about this chain. all the time. But it, it truly is tether chain. Like the amount of like tether volume that that chain pumps out is like, it is Satoshi's e-cash vision. It really is. But then obviously we fade it because of the narratives we put around it's it. It's funny that... And stuff. That tether used to be primarily on Bitcoin and Omni chain, right? Or Omni, whatever, Omni, and then um, it was on ETH, but then USDC, USDC became like the de facto stablecoin of DeFi at the beginning, and then Tether found its way on being like, hey, we'll just be the stablecoin for Tether to go in between exchanges, and then it kind of like a second order effect of that is just regular people, normal people all over the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you know, they can like redeem their Tether and like. Basically, these exchanges are their banks, and you know it's actually it is like in a, in a way Satoshi's vision. There's also huge, and I mean huge, Asian markets that are all tether, and they're not English speaking yes. markets, right? So yes. once you start getting these other uh, mm-hmm. East Asian kind of markets, you realize that it's a very different game, and tether is really the Toronto tether, is, tether yeah, and Tron on that are just number far away. Yeah, T-squared. you know, there. There's a whole world out there. And uh, like, I don't know if you guys know this, there's a Turkish stable coin on Tron, like for the actual Lira, which is probably somewhat of a, um, yeah, I've learned about this from a taxi driver in Istanbul. Um, they're yeah. all using it and it's getting like a ton of adoption over there because it's just easy to use and the Lira itself is not in a great place. So who do you th- let's let's hear let's hear some bias let's hear some winners okay. who do you think it's gonna be the winners of the L two and like new, <laughs> and chain wars coming up not wars but like who do you think will be like the most popular L two I think it depends on what gets built on them and what they're used for so for mm-hmm. things like 
DeFi? Here's one for you that I think everyone's going to hate my answer to. Solana's kind of already figured out every single problem that the Ethereum's trying to figure with DeFi, right? Like, that is a chain that is made for financial applications. It is made, like, Anatoly talks about it being, like, the NASDAQ on-chain. Like, it makes sense that the chain that is built for that is going to be what gets used for that, especially when there's very, very little slippage and fees in comparison. Um, but if you're doing something, like, in a consumer space, you might want something more like an Ethereum or an L2 that does something different. So... Or if you look at things like Frentech that really got base going, you know, there's, it depends, I think, on what gets built on the chain, what the vibes of the chain are, and why the chain wants to exist. It all comes back down to vibes. It's all vibes in the end. You can, you can hide it behind any sort of technical argument you want. If you don't have the vibes, you don't win. There's all sorts of great technology that people don't talk about because the vibes are bad. Because the vibes are off. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting with Solana. Oh, go ahead, uh, Kit. No, I was going to ask, like, how does one improve vibe? How, do, how does attention one become to vibe feasible? You, you pay attention to normies, and I think above all else, you have fun. Like, you can't take yourself too seriously in this, and you can't sit there and be like, well, we're the technical, blah, 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 and we're going to do... No one cares at the end of the day. They want to know if they can do something fun, if it's easy to do it, and if their friends are doing it. And, you know, those are the ways to improve the vibes is get your friends doing it and have fun doing it. Doesn't really matter what it is. Just have um, fun. Just have fun. Like one of the coolest things I've actually seen lately as kind of a crypto adopter in general is something my friend Winnie is working on. Uh, Dave, oh, I don't Winnie. know. No, Winnie's <laughs> a friend. Yeah. Shout out Winnie. Shout out Winnie. I'm going to show Winnie here for a second. Um, what Winnie is doing is something totally different than I think most people in the space are focused on. And she kind of went fashion and friends first, as opposed to technological like baseline. Um, so Winnie has this thing called Chipped. And what it is, is a NFC nail. Um, so like a press on nails, and they have an NFC chip in them. And that NFC chip has a whole bunch of stuff in it that I am not technical enough to know how to explain and will not do justice. Um, but it gives you kind of proof of IRL, proof of attestation that you've met. You know, it can link to your socials, you get like POAPs for meeting each other. That is adoption right there because everyone all of a sudden, oh. you know, you hold your phone up, boop, oh, we met at a party, you know, and everyone has fun with it. Every single person I've ever shown in real life is like, this is so cool. And I'm like, do you care that's built on crypto? And they're like, no, but now that's cool. And that's how you get women into crypto. You care about the fashion. You care about your friends having fun. Bam. You've just, you know, she walked fashion week. She had her nails were on New York fashion week. And that is some of the greatest fun exposure I think anyone's done for crypto in a long time literally a chip on the thumb and... yeah yeah i oh, i would get up i have one um but i'm can you ship me and my... i eat denver <laughs> i will try i will try do you want a nail Could i get because i think do i want nail? yeah i'll take it now i have some i'll have it on my pinky you'll have one like... scary well they're kind of uh the prototype she has are kind of big but oh uh, okay we I did just uh, she did just rather um release a new color so Ooh. Very excited about that. Yeah. New drop. New drop. Uh, so we're getting to the end of the interview. Uh, and I have to ask, is it vegan? No. Yes or no and why? Why not? No. <laughs> because it's an animal product. Why would people argue that it is vegan if it's an animal product? Consent. There... I think this is a dumb argument. I'll start by saying that. Um, they say that it's not exploitive because a human can consent. I don't think that's fair. I think that's a very silly carve out. But it comes from an animal. 
humanism. Yeah, I, I agree. Is that, yeah. Um, but apparently there's ethical veganism that's more concerned about if the animal oh, so consented. Th oh, um, this is ethical. Oh, so there's I'm, like... I don't really get it, to be honest with okay. you, because nothing other than an anim a human can consent anyway. Well, you're, so it's a... you're, you're the empress <laughs> of West Ham, so whatever says, you say, go. <laughs> Should we explain what we're talking about? Yes, no? I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Maybe, no, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should explain it after the show. Okay, after the oh, show. Okay. After okay. the show. If but, you don't uh, know, if you know, you know. If, if you, you don't know. know. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> And so, okay, before we end every interview, we like to do a lightning round, get to know you off chain. So okay. go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to kick it off here is what was your virgin crypto experience, but mm. sex doesn't count? When did you first touch the blockchain? 2012 onion sites to use the Silk Road. Very honest. Second yeah. question. <laughs> what is your favorite off-chain touchgrass activity, hobbies and interests. I don't know if you can tell from my small like plants. Little, it's plants. Um, You're wearing whole, green, and I'm wearing green. Green's my favorite color, and my engagement ring is green. Um, oh, you'll actually oh, like that story. Ask me about that in a second. Um, I'm marrying a reply guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, my favorite touching grass activity is taking care of all of my plants. And taking care of grass. It's taking care of grass. It's yeah. making grass grow. Uh, what would be some advice to your younger self? Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Uh, it gets a lot better. A lot better. A lot better. <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't stop now that you're like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just your soundboard. Hang in there. <laughs> I can't go ahead. Very nice. All right. Of if you weren't in finance or tech, what would your professional career path be? I'm not sure. Uh, probably something with fashion. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the really insane fits I've worn to conferences. Yeah, they're nuts. <laughs> like, like, I got yeah, some new I'm ones. Impressed. I'm impressed. I'm really, genuinely impressed. I'm like, whoa. I got a new one, Dave. It's got shrimp all over it. Shrimp. Yeah, I got a new cherry blossom. Let me know where. Hell yeah. Yeah, got we, we gotta take some like hard fit picks, honestly. Yeah, fuck yeah. This is I was I was really brainstorming on what to wear for this, and I got so nervous. I was just like green shirt, um, but I could have had a lot more fun, and I'm sorry that I didn't. No, no, it goes with the plants. You're good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and final question for me: Who do you want to see on the show next? Who would you recommend as a guest? Lawrence. Yes, I would love to have Lawrence on. Lawrence or. Honestly, I think Winnie would be a really fun one too. Oh, uh, the Winnie. I would love to have both of them on. Winnie or Lawrence or Crypto Finally. Have you had Rachel on? She is no. one of the funniest people I have ever met. You know what's funny? She actually interviewed me way back in the day <laughs> when I was at my first job. Wow. Um, yeah, I was doing, I was basically going on like a podcast circuit for Everpedia and I just like cold emailed everyone randomly and she was one of the people that had me on. So. Maybe Shout you should cold email her again and be like, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> hey, hey, let's do this again. A, this was like right when DeFi Dave started in 2020. Wow. That's vintage. Yeah. Vintage. Old old school days. It's really hard to believe that 2020 was four years ago. Don't remind me. It's scary. I, I know. I'm a real bloomer now. I'm about so turn, old. About to turn 32. Ugh. Not, not 32, but 30 as well. 
But I got to be honest, though. I'm, I'm actually really happy I turned 30. My 20s were a mess. Um, you you kind of know who you are a little more at 30. And I think you have a little more like you don't have to struggle anymore. You know what I mean? Like the struggle is done. You get to just have fun now and learn who you are and enjoy stuff. And you're way less self-conscious. So 30 is good. Don't let these Zoomers tell you differently. Yeah. You heard it from Burb. 30 (laughs) is good. 30, flirty, and thriving, damn it. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Burb, thank you so much for going on. Thanks for having me. uh, Where can people find you? (laughs) You can find Ottersack. Like any final Um, plugs? you can find me on Twitter at Bone Condor. Um, our Ottersec is uh, Osec underscore IO. That's O-S-E-C. Um, and you can find me on the internet. I'm pretty online. <laughs> you heard it here. The Empress of West Ham. Thanks so much, Mer. Thank you. This was fun. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the post game. I'm your host, Defy Dave. Here with Cap OK. We are finishing up. The episode with the Empress of West Ham, Burb, Chairman Burb Bernanke. I love saying that. The Empress of West Ham. Royal Highness. <laughs> the Royal Highness. Yes, indeed. Uh, we just finished it. And man, that was like a, that episode was a journey from, you know, her humble beginnings of regulatory arbitrage to, you know, being college, not sure what she, what she wanted to do to uh, being, uh, you know, with market makers and this and that. And then just like ending up in crypto. You know, I feel like a lot of, of us just like end up here and it's, you know, great to have gotten her story and her perspective on things. And then mm-hmm. also just like she has a, a lot of insights and you can tell that she's thought deeply about a variety of subjects, whether it's auditing or the Bitcoin ETF or, you know, what's going on with L2s and like what makes a product tick. Um, so I really appreciate the thoughtfulness of the Royal Highness of Burb. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? I think she has like an air of, you know, confidence and also like a a, a comfortness where you just feel very at ease talking to her. And it's very, very, very easy to connect with her and vibe with her. I think she she did that really well. At least I, you know, this was my first time meeting her and I had a great conversation. the goat at bd it's because she's like she's just like disarms you makes you feel comfortable and like that's what you gotta do at bd it's just like you know make people feel comfortable be able to like come across clearly but not like overpowering in an overpowering way um and like i know she kills it and i remember like talking to her before she joined otter sec she was like she wasn't sure and like this and that it was like a lot of questions but now she like loves it and i'm sure she's killing it there so and i had no doubt in my mind like she would kill it no matter where she went but uh, Otter, Ottersec is very lucky to have her. Yeah. Good yeah. thing for Robert. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Robert. Another score. <laughs> Another score. Uh, but yeah, this was a fun episode. Uh, you know, we're going to keep doing these. Uh, so if you want to keep up with us, make sure you, you go and subscribe. Hit that bell button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Hit that uh, like button too. If you're on, on X Twitter, make sure you repost this. Give us a reply. Give us a like there. You know what to do. Uh, follow us on all of our socials at FlywoDefi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Um, Farcaster, fl- follow us at Flywheel. And you can fo- and go down to our website down below, flywheeldefi.com. Subscribe. You don't want to miss our latest updates in alpha, everything Frax and DeFi. And you can follow yours truly at DeFiDay22 on Twitter. And follow- and- I'm sorry. And also on Farcaster, I'm DeFi Dave. And you can follow me at ZoxCapital underscore K on everything.
And I've had so much easier. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Bye. Everything said in this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.